Hello, this is Carl Bastian here, a.k.a. The Kidologist, and you're listening to Kidmen Talk, your weekly excursion into children's ministry, education, enlightenment, encouragement, all to equip you as you minister to kids. Today I've got a challenge for you, as well as a very cool new resource to tell you about. So cool, in fact, I had to make a show-and-tell video and post it to YouTube. No worries, I embedded it in the show notes, but it is something you have got to see and not just hear about, and it comes from our creative friends at Disciple Lamb. As always, your feedback and input is desired on Twitter at Kidman Talk, by email directly to me via carl at kidmantalk.com, and of course, join the conversation in the forum where we always chat it up after the show. And I want to hear from you because today I have a very important question to ask you as we talk Kidman. Yes, I have got a very important question to ask you. Now, it is a question of ultimate importance, and it's one that I want you to take seriously, and it is one that the answer may appear obvious at first. In fact, you may jump to an answer, or you may um, have multiple answers because there probably is multiple answers. Anytime you ask for one thing, you are going to get multiple answers. In fact, a while back, Greg Baird asked on his blog, what is the one thing, if you had to write a short paragraph about the one thing that is most important to you, what would it be? And he asked a bunch of bloggers and writers and and experts, I should put that in quote, we're all experts because we're all experienced and experts in different things. And many people wrote about their one thing and and they were all great answers and they were all good answers and there were no wrong answers. And of course you might remember a while back there was some great friends that put together a book about what is the one thing that matters now in children's ministry. And there was a great compilation of things, key words that were put together and some folks that wrote uh, an average of about 200 words on what matters now in children's ministry. And I'll link that in the show notes. It was fantastic. And you can just read that and find out what the one word was that I chose that is my one thing that matters now in children's ministry. And every word that was chosen was fantastic. It came out of people's personal passions and, and history, and there were no wrong answers to that question. So anytime you pose a question that elicits a single response, you're, you're asking for people to disagree with you. And so as I'm about to ask such a question, I know that I'm guaranteed to have people who are going to disagree with the answer that I'm going to suggest. And But still, I would like to ask such a question. I would like to challenge you to think about such a question. And it's not what matters now in children's ministry. It's not what is the main thing that you should be focusing on in children's ministry. But I would like to ask you a question. And the question is simply this. What is the single most important thing that we can give our children in the years and the time that we minister to them? What is the single most important thing that we can impart to them that they would leave our ministry with? 
So I'd like you to wrestle with that. I'd like you to think about that. In fact, if you are listening to this on the website or on your iPhone or your Android or your iPad or some other way, I'd like you maybe even to consider just hitting the pause button just a moment and let me say it again and then think about before I give you what I would like to suggest that it is, what is the single most important thing that we can give to kids to impart into them that they would have and take with them as a result of our ministry. Go ahead, hit pause and think about that. Deep. Okay, are you back? You've hit pause, you've thought about it, maybe you've wrote it down and, and you've reflected on it, and there are probably a lot of great answers. In fact, I would love for you to post what you might have thought of in the forum, even if you change your mind, what was that one thing that you thought of and what is that one thing? And I know many people are going to say the best thing that we can give kids is a love for God. The best thing that we can give kids is an opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Others are going to say the best thing that we can give kids is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Other people are going to say the best thing that we can give kids is a community where they feel safe. You know, and the list could go on and on and on, depending on denomination, depending on background. And there are so many great answers of things that would be good, it would be beneficial. But I am going to suggest that the best thing that we can give the kids, the number one best thing that we can give to kids and impart to kids that they can take with them. Are you ready? This is what I'm going to suggest. And you're welcome to disagree with me and argue with me and post that I am just so off base. Maybe you peeked at the show notes and you already know what I'm going to say. Maybe you know me well enough and have read other things that I have written and you've already, you're already ahead of me. But I would like to suggest that the number one most important thing that we can give kids and impart into kids in our ministries is a love for and ability to use God's Word. I think a love for God is important. I think getting saved is critical. I think there are so many other things that are important to discipleship. But I think all of those other things can flow out of and come from a, a, a life of, from kids who know and love and know how to use God's Word. I think that teaching kids to love and know how to use God's Word is the most important thing that we can do. Now, obviously, if that's all we did, we would do them a disservice. And, and obviously, everything we do, there are extremes. There can be Bible worship, you know, where kids love the Bible and miss the author of the Bible. So please don't post anything of arguing that because that is not what I'm saying, so please don't make me to be saying something that I'm not saying. I'm not talking about loving the Bible itself more than the author of the book. But what I'm saying is we need to teach kids to love the Bible and to know how to use the Bible because everything else they need, they need to have that. Because if kids don't love God's Word and if they don't know how to use God's Word, 
they will not be equipped to learn all the other things that they need to learn. They will become dependent on people telling them what to believe and they can be led astray. Let me give you an analogy of why I think that is so important. How many young boys love cars? I mean, my little boy loves cars. There's probably not a little boy on this planet who loves cars more than my son. When he was two years old, he could recognize models of cars better than most adults. In fact, he didn't know their brand name, but he knew the model. He could point to a minivan and say, that's a grandpa's van. And we'd say, it's just a minivan. But he would recognize Toyota Sienna's from a block away and know it was the same model that his grandpa had who lived out of state. And as it got closer, we'd go, yeah, that's actually a Toyota Sienna. And he would say, there's a daddy's car. And it would be a block away. And the car would get closer. we go, yeah, it's a PT Cruiser. How did he recognize that when he could barely talk? He recognizes the details of cars. He asks about the functions of cars. And he loves cars. But just loving cars is not enough. As he gets older, he needs to learn how to drive a car. A love of cars is not enough. In fact, if all he has is a love for cars, but his father doesn't teach him how to drive a car safely, it could become the death of him. Fortunately, I had a father who taught me how to drive a car. He taught me so well how to drive that I love when I'm out with teenagers to teach them many of the little sayings and things that my dad taught me. Often I'll see somebody driving really fast and I'll say, let them go. They're in a hurry to get to their accident. You don't want to help them get there faster <laughs> because uh, a speeding person is just you know someone who's destined for an accident. Or often we would see an accident with two cars kind of crashed into a driveway. My dad used to say, oh, it's a me first situation. Two people that said me first and they ended up in an accident. And when I find myself driving and thinking me first, I hearken back to my dad's words, me first situation and I decide you know what I'm not going to say me first but my dad's driving instruction went beyond lots of little pithy sayings that have kept me accident free and safe for so many years it went into actually teaching me how to spin and how to skid and how to how to come out of, of uh, spins and things to the extreme that one time when my wife and I were driving across the country and we were driving on the highway and the speed limit was 70 miles an hour and we're driving on an open highway with no median and we hit some black ice and all of a sudden on this highway cars were spinning and flying all over the road and there was a semi truck coming toward us and as our Astro van, big old flat uh, into the wind like a piece of paper van, began to spin. We began to spin toward this uh, semi-truck coming at us. And it could have been the death of us. And I learned from my dad a very important principle that when you are spinning out, you are not out of control. You have only lost the ability to stop. And so rather than slam on the brakes or try to steer away from the van, the oncoming semi-truck rather, which would have led us straight into it, I actually began to spin the van toward the semi-truck to throw it into a, a more of a spin, cross the highway in front of it. And while I'm doing this, I'm screaming to my wife at the top of my lungs, I am not out of control. I have only lost the ability to stop. And I threw the van into a tight 
360 multiple spin, crossed the highway, went in front of the van, the semi truck. I keep saying van. Then I reversed the wheels, pumping the brake, threw the, our Astro van into a reverse spin to keep from going off the other side of the highway. There was another semi truck coming, threw the van into 360s the other way, uh, still sliding 70 miles an hour or so back to the other side, spinning the other direction, still yelling at my wife who was screaming, don't worry, we are not, out, I am not out of control. I have only lost the ability to stop <laughs> as, as we're just spinning like crazy. And I'm, I'm also throwing up prayers to the Lord and continue to spin the van the other way. And then as we reached the back on the right side of the road spinning, threw the van into a counter spin the other way, and then slowly spinning one way and spinning the other way, brought the van to a halt. And at the end of this incredible ordeal where I weaved through two oncoming semi-trucks on the opposite side of the road, we slowed to a halt. And my van was the only car still on the road as those other semi-trucks went flying by. And it was a terrifying experience. I don't want to take any credit away from angels who may have been guiding my hands or protecting uh, us. Certainly God was in the saving of our life. And so I give him all the credit and all the glory. But I also want to give some credit to my dad who took me to parking lots and taught me how to spin, how to do donuts, how to counter spin, how to actually steer a vehicle that is out of control and drilled into my head when you're spinning on a highway you have not lost control. You have only lost the ability to stop. So a love of cars was not enough. He taught me how to control it in times of crisis. Well, the same is true of kids and the Word of God. Just having a love of God is not enough because a, a, a meager or pure love of God is not going to guide them through times of crisis. When the times of crisis come, when the rains come down and the floods rise up, kids need to know how to use the Word of God. They need to know how to pour into it and find the scriptures they need. They need to know how to study it. They need to know how to proof text. When they're attacked by teachers, when they're attacked by peers, or just challenged or questioned, they need to know how to get into the Word of God and find the answers that they need. You know, not only did my dad teach me how to drive, but when I was 12 years old, he told me I was now a man and he bought me a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, a Bible that 25 to 30% of it is resource tools in the back. And he said, now that you're a man, as far as the Bible is concerned, the age that Jewish boys became a man, you're ready for a man's Bible filled with tools and filled with resources and it's time for you to start really learning God's Word and you need to begin studying it. And I studied the archaeological tools and started studying passages through the Bible and began to just make that my textbook for life. One of the reasons that I can write curriculum and, and do the things that I do in my ministry today is because I mastered and studied God's Word as a young man because of the teachers I had, the children's ministry that I was a part of, and a father who taught me to use God's Word. Let me just go through a quick acronym using the word Bible with you. Obviously, it's basic instruction before leaving earth. You've heard that one before. Well, I want to give you five other principles of why and how you can make the Bible 
a foundation and make it something that kids love and know how to use so that when those storms of life come, the Bible is their manual. If kids love and know how to use God's word, it is going to be an anchor for them for the rest of their life. And when they spin out or when everyone around them, their peers in the high school years are spinning out, when they are living immorally, when they start drinking, when they start questioning their faith, they are going to be the one that are going to grab the wheel of God's word and they are going to be able to navigate that chaos and stay on the road toward purity and toward a holy life because you equipped them and taught them how to use God's word. You will have done the most important thing. You've given your kids a love for and ability to use God's word. Number one with a letter B is teach them the basics. All right. Uh, Disciple Town, one of the first units I wrote at the very beginning is how to use God's word. Teach that unit. Make sure kids know how to use the Bible, how to look up things, how to use a concordance, how to use a Bible atlas, how to use these rich tools. And that sounds like it's over their head, but it isn't. Kids love that stuff. We're teaching them reference tools and educational tools in in the secular part of their education. Why not at church teaching them the most important book? We worry about how kids are doing socially and how they're doing mentally and how they're doing um, you know, um, sociologically and emotionally and all these other ollies. Why aren't we worried about how they're doing spiritually? Let's teach them the basics. Make sure your kids know the basics. In fact, I would challenge you to just do a very simple test with your kids. Ask them if they know the basics of the Bible and see how your kids score and then set out to teach them those basics and then retest them a year later. That test is more a grade on you than it is of the kids and how well you're teaching them the basics. The I is invest in Bibles. I can't tell you how much it saddens me and grieves me when I visit churches to speak and I love doing sword drills. In Disciple Town, they're called Bible dashes. Same thing, where I want kids up on stage or all the kids just looking up Bible verses on the topic because I want to show them the Bible has lots to say on this topic. Yes, we'll use one or two passages in the teaching, but there are 15 to 20 verses on this topic. The Bible has lots to say about this topic. I realized that with that Thompson Chain Reference Bible when I would follow a topic, the chain of a topic through the entire Bible. And I loved that the Thompson Chain Reference Bible gave me that that bird's eye view that the Bible has lots to say about love and lots to say about about mercy and grace and peace and all these different topics. That's what the Thompson Chain Reference Bible is. You look up a verse, you look in the margin, it gives you the next verse in the Bible on that same topic and you can follow that chain throughout the entire Bible. You need to invest in Bibles. You need to invest in giving them to kids. You need to invest in having them in your room so that the kids have Bibles. So your classrooms have Bibles. Make a part of your annual budget investing in Bibles. And when you have Bibles, invest in Bible atlases and Bible concordance. In There are so many wonderful Bible resources. Even VeggieTales has come out with some colorful and entertaining and fun 
Bible resource books and put those in the classrooms. Rose Publications has amazing Bible posters and Bible charts and put those up and make sure that you invest in teaching kids about the Bibles. The next B is bringing Bibles. Get back to having kids bring their Bibles. And yes, it is okay to reward kids to bring their Bibles. You know what? There's a lot of talk out there how we shouldn't reward kids for things, that we want intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic motivation. And I think that is silly. And some of you are going to disagree with me. But I got to tell you, I look at the grown-up world and I got to tell you, everything I see out there is extrinsic motivation for adults. From the price of gases to which stores they're going to shop at, which car they're going to use, which credit card they're going to use. It seems to me that adults need extrinsic motivators for just about everything they're going to do, including how fast they're going to drive on the highway. And if adults can't do anything without extrinsic motivators and can't do the right thing or choose what store or what restaurant to eat at without extrinsic motivators, why in the world are we taking that away from children and expecting kids to do everything with internal motivation? Now, obviously, yes, we want it to be genuine and come from the heart. But to expect of kids what adults can't even do yet is unrealistic and unfair. And so, like in everything, you you have balance. So I would not reward kids every week for bringing their Bibles. I would do it random. So some weeks I would just have a big old jug of of licorice, you know, those individually wrapped ones, and I'd say, who brought their Bible today? Hold your Bible up, and I'd go around and give everybody a piece of licorice or some kind of reward or if you use, you know, dollars for a store or something. And next week, everybody would have their Bible, and they'd say, do we get a licorice day? And I'd say, no. Why not? We did last week. Well, no, because this you're supposed to bring your Bible to church. That's we bring, This is where we study the Bible. So some weeks I'm going to give away licorice, but some weeks I'm not. And so you you have balance. So you educate that we bring our Bibles because, you know, duh, this is where we're studying the Bible. So you ought to bring your Bible. And so that's where you have balance. So you don't have to reward every week, but you should reward sometimes. I think the senior pastor ought to, you know, give out coupons to Culver's or a local restaurant sometimes if the grown-ups would bring their Bibles and maybe they'd start using their Bibles more often in big church. L, you need to love God's Word yourself. You know, there's something about things are caught more than taught. And kids need to see your love for God's Word. You need to be sharing what you discovered in God's Word this week. You need to teach out of God's Word. You need to put your lesson plan right there in the Bible so they see your Bible up on stage. So that they they just, and, and it's hard to give specific examples of this, but as you talk about God's Word, as you share from God's Word, as you hold that Bible there, as you, as you handle it with respect, you don't throw it on the table, you know, but you set it down carefully. As you illustrate to the kids that you love God's Word, they will see that that is a special book, a book worthy of, of reverence and worthy of awe, and they will catch that. And that leads right into the final E, which is to set an example. You, you set an example to the kids by loving God's Word, by teaching from God's Word, by, be, by living it yourself. And this is something that the kids won't necessarily see, 
But as you're in God's word yourself, as you're having your own quiet time, it, it will transform you and it will, it will overflow. There's an old saying that you can't take people where you yourself haven't been. And if you have gotten out of the habit of being a disciple of God's word, then you need to get back into yourself loving and learning about God's word. I'd like to challenge you to do something that I share with the kids at camp. You know, sometimes you think, man, I don't have time to study God's word. You're thinking it, you wouldn't tell anybody because I'm, I'm teaching and I'm running a whole children's ministry. I got this from Erwin Lutzer, the pastor of Moody Church, and he does something and recommends something called CADVAD. And it stands for chapter a day, verse a day. And it's something that I enjoy. And you simply take a normal notebook, and you can write CADVAD on the cover, and each day you just write um, uh, the chapter you read and you pick one verse out of that chapter and you just write that verse out. And sometimes it's a great chapter and there's like five verses you love and, and you force yourself to pick just one verse and you underline it in your Bible, you write that verse out, you pray about it. I'm a writer. I tend to want to do a whole blog post or you know, write an epistle in my journal. And the discipline is, you know what, keep it short, keep it simple. Just read that chapter, pick one verse, and you know when you come back to that chapter later, you'll see the verse underlined and it'll force you to pick a different verse the next time. But consistency is more important than being deep and profound and wordy the time um, that, that you give to the Lord. And if you'll be faithful in getting back into God's words yourself, and you'll begin to see the impact that it has on you as you discover things and you see the way God just happens. It seems coincidental, but it isn't. God just happens to lead you to scriptures that are just what you need for what you're going through in life or in work or what other people need and you start sharing scriptures with others. That will overflow into your teaching and into your uh, what you communicate with the kids and it becomes contagious and they will love that. And so let me hear from you in the forum discussion. How do you help kids develop that love for God and that love for the Word? And how do you equip them to learn to use God's Word? You know, our sponsor today is Disciple Land, and they've got a brand new tool that I'm so excited about. In fact, I made a YouTube video to show it and describe it. And it's a very simple little slide tool that helps kids learn the books of the Bible, their author and their theme and their key verse. And let me encourage you just to watch that video because it's so much better shown than talked about. But they come in little 10 packs and it's called the Living Water Slide. And it's, it's a little tool that will just help kids not be so intimidated by the Word of God, but to learn a lot of the facts around every book of the Bible. And um, it especially goes great with the Disciple Town units on how to navigate the Old Testament and how to navigate the New Testament. And I'm just now starting to write a new disciple town called How to Study God's Word. And the next one's going to be How to Memorize God's Word. And it's going to go fantastic with those as well. So I believe the most important thing you can give to your kids is a love for and ability to use God's Word. Because if you impart those things to kids then they're going to be equipped for the rest of their life with this manual, this map, this light from God that they're going to study and have for the rest of their life. And long after they leave you 
and your ministry. They're going to have this book that you've imparted a love for, and they're going to have their highlighter and their pen, and they're going to keep diving into it, and you will have given them something that's going to last the rest of their life. And all those other things that you desire for them, they will get because they will get it on their own as they discover it for themselves in God's Word. And there's nothing more magical and more powerful and more um, exuberating than discovering truth for yourself in God's Word. I, I can't tell you how, how exciting it was for me as a young man, especially in junior high and high school, when I made all kinds of amazing discoveries in God's Word, and I made them by myself because my father and my teachers, when I was young, gave me a love for and an ability to use God's Word by myself. And so my passion throughout my ministry, beyond the fun, beyond the exciting units that taught so many things, was to impart to kids a love for and an ability to use God's Word. Because that one thing I know has the power and the potential to lead them to every other discovery that they could ever need. God's Word is powerful. Let me leave you with just a couple of scriptures because I've been talking about the Bible. I ought to use the Bible. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will do what he desires for it to do, and that is to change lives. And you know those kids that drive us crazy, that we have all these disciplined techniques and all these strategies for reaching? Well, listen to what Jeremiah 23, 29 says. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? You see, God can get through to anyone with his word. And just one more the most familiar of them all, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to a dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, God is trying to get across. We got all these techniques. We got all these great curriculums. We got all these great websites right? Kenology.org, it's awesome. Several others. We have all this great new modern technology. But let's not forget the greatest resource of them all. Simply God's Word. Help kids love it, and let's teach them to use it. Yeah. From our friends at Creative Ministries Solutions. We want kids to read it. Sorry, I couldn't resist. So you're a Christian.
Teach kids the basics. We gotta invest in Bibles. We gotta encourage them to bring them. We gotta develop a love for the Bible ourselves and set an example by reading it ourselves. Amen. That's right. Choose the time, choose a place, and do it. No excuses. Can't expect the kids to do it if we don't do it. Help kids develop a love for and an ability to use God's Word. Amen. I'm doing the moonwalk. Now I'm putting down some cardboard and I'm breakdancing. You don't believe me? Maybe I'll make a YouTube video of that too. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Kid Min Talk. This is Carl Bastian and my mission in life. Besides teaching kids to love and learn to use God's word is equipping and encouraging you in your children's ministry. I can't wait to interact with you on this topic in the forum. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. You're welcome to disagree with me. I love having friendly debates. Keyword is friendly, but I don't mind debate. You can also talk to me on Twitter at Kidman Talk or email me directly at carl at kidmantalk.com. Until next time, this is Carl the Kidologist talking Kidman with you.